All right. Well, good day, all. Welcome back to another episode in our Discipleship Reframe series. Today, I sit with a special friend of mine from Lighthouse Church in Puyallup, Paul Moffitt. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing today? Hey, good morning, Brandon. I'm doing fantastic. It is so good to be with you. And uh, many of you don't know that we are actually on video together. So um, Brandon, not only good to hear from you, but also good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, good to see you too, Paul. And you know, just for all those listening, it's just going to be Paul and I today discussing today's topic. John is on another assignment. He's recording a podcast with Eddie Johnson from Young Life. They're doing a podcast on racial reconciliation using the historical example of Jesus meeting the woman at the well um, in Samaria. And we're going to be sharing those podcasts on our Facebook page and on our website if you'd like to listen. I highly encourage you do so, especially in today's um, turbulent times. And Paul, you and I have known each other for about the last five years now, and I've had the privilege of teaching the Kingdom Story Experience to a group of about 40 um, Lighthouse participants, including yourself, uh, and another class uh, with 10 young adults that were in it, a couple of whom I still have a close relationship with today. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember coming to you and John in a fit of anxiety my first night teaching. I was blown away by the trust that you guys gave me and in being able to lead that class on my own. Um, and to have you sit um, sit under me in, in a sense in that way. Um, and I just, people, that's discipleship right there, walking through the anxiety, giving away um, the trust to someone else and allowing them to, to make mistakes and to grow. Um, it was an amazing time for me. And I thank you so much uh, for that, Paul. But enough about me. <laughs> why, don't, uh, why don't you share a bit about yourself for all those listening, Paul? Tell everyone a little bit about you, about Lighthouse, and maybe a bit about your experience and passion around discipleship. Um, in the past. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Brandon, I don't, you know, you say, um, the, you know, the grace of uh, releasing you and going through all the mistakes. I don't remember mistakes. I only remember um, the personal connection that you made um, to each of those students. And like you said, I still walk with many of them as well, which is, um, it's just been such a blessing to partner with both you and John. Um, and just working with people who are like-minded and kindred spirits on what God has called each of us to. And that is not only to be, become followers, fully devoted followers of Jesus, but to help others do the same. And I think it's just, you know, quite um, bluntly um, in our culture, and I'm guilty of this too, in my own sinful nature, I tend to want to focus on me, my relationship with Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to go deeper. I want to, you know, serve him more. But we lose that whole piece of um, the you and who, and mm. um, how are we spiritually multiplying ourselves into the lives of others? And um, so just to answer your question, um, I come out of a business background and um, God just really got a hold of my heart when I was teaching BSF. I was a teaching leader for seven years with them. And um, in that time, had a chance to really get to know many, many pastors in our community and many church members. And God just, just gave me a burden, gave me a love for his bride, the church, and, um, and for his word. And so God stirred in me um, and really called me into full-time pastoral ministry. So I just, I left the business world, went into full-time ministry at my home church of all places, um, almost 16 years ago at Lighthouse Christian. Wow. And won't go into all of that, but it's just been a, it's been a wonderful, challenging, growing um, experience as we went from a congregation of just about 300 to, you know, 1800 um, over the last many years. And so, you know, God's changed my roles in that. But, but Brandon, I think what I'd want to share with those listening and with you is that um, at the heart of it all, 
um, even when I was in business or you know, whether it's in the church, it's been leadership development. It's been investing into the lives of others to help them to become who God created them to be. And, um, and many years ago now, about you know, five or six years ago, I was um, working with one particular gentleman who was just experiencing incredible transformation. And, um, and he came to a point where he just said, okay, Paul, I've, I've overcome these um, addictions. I've overcome these identity um, issues. Um, will you disciple me? And I was already discipling five people at that time, one-on-one. And I just, I love this man. I so badly wanted to disciple him, but I had to face the reality that, no, I do not have the time. I don't have the capacity to to pour into one more person. And so I began asking men in the church, would you disciple him? Would you disciple him? And it was so revelatory for me and and kind of sad state of um, uh, an awareness of things. But every single man said, oh, I would love to, but... Oh. And, and you would think that the, the answer would be, but I don't have time, but, um, but I feel ill-equipped. But you know what the number one answer was from these men who love Jesus, who are loving their wives and serving the church? They said, I'd love to, but I've never been discipled. I oh. don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know what that looks like. And that's where it dawned on me that we really don't have a discipleship culture. We have programs where we assume people are being discipled, but um, I just said, okay. I said to one man who said he would disciple this guy, I'm trying not to use names, of course, <laughs> and, um, and, and I said, you know what, I'll tell you what, how about I disciple you for the sake, of, for the purpose of discipling him? And so this was another revelation for me, Brandon, and, and, and group, is that I realized that, yes, I had been, I've always discipled. I've always met with one-on-one, but have I discipled them for the purpose of discipling others? Yeah, and I, had wow. to, I realized that, wow, I had to look in the mirror and say, no, I have not done that. So I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to disciple this one guy for the purpose of discipling so-and-so, why not go back to those other men and do the same? So yes, I carved out some time. And long story short is for one year, I discipled six men as a group. And within three months, all six of those men were discipling somebody else. And by the end of the year, um, three of those second generation men were discipling somebody else. And then wow. at, the end, at the end of one year, we split up our group into two, two, and two, and we each took on another group. So that by the end of two years, the last I lost, I lost count, honestly, but by the end of two years, there were over a hundred men who were in an intentional discipleship relationship. And what I shared with these guys was, I'm not going to give, we're not going to follow a book. We're not going to follow a program. I'm not giving you a binder. We are going to do life on life. And it's going to be the word of God led by the Holy Spirit. And yes, I did create, I did create a binder, ironically <laughs> enough, because I realized that God was giving us out of those relationships, God was revealing kind of this, and, and, and you go back to scripture and kind of seeing some, some foundational um, pillars that were helpful in that process. So anyways, that then led to my work with young adults and wanting to um, create a discipleship opportunity where they're being where they're getting the word of God they're being discipled they're being um, they're in a, co- a cohort or a community and they're expressing they have expressions of service 
that was Ethos Academy at our church. And that's where my relationship with you, Brandon, really forged into utilizing the kingdom story. And, and there's so much more there. I, I won't go into it, but we've, yes, we've shared a beautiful um, relationship, but we're still in process. We are still in process. And I would say that we still do not have a discipleship culture, mm. but, but we're in process. And that's why I'm excited to be um, a part of the discipleship reframed and looking at some of the things that we're going to talk about today. So I hope that's helpful and just kind of giving a foundation and also hearing that, man, we do not have it figured out. We are, we're just, we're right there recognizing the problem and seeking God's help in, in, you know, moving us forward. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, and for your humility. That's a, that's, that's great. Knowing that we're all on the journey for this and none of us have really figured it out, but we're continuing to, uh, to stumble our way through it by the grace of Jesus and, and moving towards this. And I, I love hearing about what's going on at, at Lighthouse. And, and so that leads me to our subject today, Paul, you mentioned, you hit on a few of them as you were talking about, and I love it. You hinted, and I'm really excited about, about the framework that we're going to talk about because it has revolutionized how I think about discipleship. And so today we're going to talk about what we call here the cornerstone and the four pillars um, of discipleship. And to use kind of, you know, some history here in the Old Testament, we had the brick and mortar temple um, that housed the spirit of God. But today we are the temple, the spirit rests inside of us. And so but to understand discipleship, we're going to kind of use the analogy of that brick and mortar temple um, to understand our current temple today with us. And there are many things that are needed in order to properly build a physical temple. Um, but the most important structure is the foundation upon which that entire temple is built upon. I still remember the stories in, in Ezra and Nehemiah where they laid the foundation yeah. um, for the temple yeah. and then there was, there was weeping and, but there was rejoicing. Uh, <clears throat> but it was an important thing to lay first. Um, Jesus even gave us parables that told us to build our houses on a firm foundation, not on the sand. So that right. might we be able to weather the storm here. And so for us, our discipleship framework, that foundation or cornerstone is Jesus himself. Amen. And I know that might sound a little self-explanatory or even um, to some cliche, but I believe that it is worth being clear about. Um, and so Paul, how important is it for you and for your church to make sure that the foundation on which we're building our discipleship process is Jesus himself. Well, that's not important at all, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to, I kind of have to joke about it only because um, you're absolutely right. It seems so apparent, right? It should all be about Jesus. Oh, if only, you know, it, it really can be that simple, but why, why can't it be that simple? Mm. I, um, I just, I, I'm just, um, the reason I'm pausing is because um, I, I've just realized over the years, even in my own life and in my own ministry, how often my sinful nature, our sinful nature enters in that, yes, it's about Jesus, but... Um, it's Jesus plus this, it's Jesus plus that. And kind of where we are, um, Brandon, as a church is, um, many of you know, Bill Bowers and, um, 
and uh, the shifting the focus that that many of us uh, pastors in Puyallup are working through is we had a we had a major change in our church. Our founding pastor um, uh, retired, but then died of um, brain cancer, and so we have a a, a new lead pastor um, who's been a part of the church, but just an incredible, incredible young man of God. And um, this is all before COVID. We went into a year of just repentance, um, evaluation. And what we realized is, yes, we, we really do mirror. Um, it was a hard, hard admission, but we, we mirror American consumer Christianity. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I have the perspective of having been there been a part of the church for almost 18 years. And I can tell you, there's no, absolutely no sinfulness or selfishness that brought us there. In other words, it was not intentional, but how easy it is to, um, to program, to, to program lives, to assume that because you're teaching the word of God, you're ministering to people in their brokenness and their needs, you're shepherding, you're loving, you're doing all that, that somehow, um, the, you know, the transformation into the likeness of Jesus is happening. And, and it, and of course it is because God's bigger than us, but we had to realize that, is it really, is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, not just the salvation, but the freedom and the expression of that new life. Is that really, does that um, exemplify who we are and, and the majority of our members. And we had to say, no, it really doesn't. So, so we've been in this process of what would it look like? And, and again, just for time's sake, there's a whole lot of factors in that as, a, as an organization, but, but as a church, what it has to come down to is the centrality of the gospel and the application, the living out, the, the spiritual formation in the individual lives of Jesus followers, um, of what, is that, what does that look like? And, and um, how, do we, how do we begin to not just make it about the gospel, but about the, the, the individual transformation, both corporately and individually? And that's mm. the challenges. And I think in previous podcasts, you've talked about this as far as the two pathways, is you have the corporate pathway, but then you have the individual pathway. Um, and, and so what, what we came to, is, and I don't want to jump ahead of, of where you may want me to go, but this foundation has to be solid first. The foundation has to be set. Who are we? Why do we exist? What are our values? And, and so that is what we spent a lot of time defining. And then we began to align all, we had to rewrite all of our ministry statements, not around what we do, but why do we exist? And what are those desired outcomes? What would it look like in each individual ministry? And then we had to bring those together. But, but in order to do that, we needed more than a foundation, and, um, you know, maybe that'll lead to your, your next question. I'm not sure, but <laughs> the, you know, how do we begin to move upward and outward in the same direction? 
Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, Jesus becomes the place that we start in that, the, 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 why we exist, you know, I mean, Jesus yes. has obviously called us to it. And then specifically, why are we here and, and living up to Jesus is that standard. And, and then we're it. So it's the place we start, but it also becomes like, you've been saying, how do we grow? If it also becomes the character that we're trying to attain to. And so to some, I can see this can sound complicated because it's that both. And we, we, we're trying to become what we already are. Um, <clears throat> We can, ex- mm-hmm. we can kind of consider the analogy of maybe the military, right? We, we, if you make it past boot camp and you become a soldier, you now spend the rest of your career in the military becoming a better soldier. I mean, you already are a soldier, um, but now the process becomes even, you know, becoming even better at that, more, you know, better trained even into a different type of field. And some, right. but we don't wonder throughout that entire process, am I still a soldier? You know, if something happens, um, if something doesn't go the way we need to, um, you, you never doubt what you kind of already are as you're growing in that. But, Good analogy. You know, yeah. the, the Christian experience though is a little different than that though. When we when we fail, sometimes it comes into, we become miserable. You know, there's the shame upon that. Maybe I'm not a Christian anymore, right? Or, or we just kind of stop trying. Um, but, but we lose this idea of the identity and the foundation that Jesus has already um, called us who we are. And, and so now from this place, as you talked about, I want to talk about the four pillars, uh, what we would say one on each of the corners of the foundations of Christ. And these pillars uphold and inform the consistent framework that our discipleship process will hang on. Uh, Paul, you helped John on these handouts and are familiar with them. Can you give us an overview of what these four pillars are, maybe their scope and meaning, and tell us a little bit about why in the midst of a discipleship overhaul in your church, you think these are so important to include? Yeah, I'll, I'll do the best I can. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, it's often difficult to try to articulate um, when you want to be drawing on a whiteboard at the same time to see yeah. it visually is the same time you hear it. But I guess what I want you all to do is just picture, if you will, just picture that, 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 that slab, that solid foundation of the temple. And, and now in order to um, even to build walls or to create compartmental rooms um, and, and to have a roof, you, you have to have some pillars. So you have to have some structure that, that stands um, vertically. But I, I want to challenge you, if you will, to now shift your thinking from concrete and stone to something that is living. Think CGI today. <laughs> I want you to picture a I want you to picture a a solid um, foundation that does not move, but now pillars that are growing up almost in, in your in your imagination, you see them just being shaped and 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 moving upward well friends that that is the other element that is so important in this and that is the holy spirit the holy spirit is living god's word is living and active there is movement this is not something that you can just this is something i've learned is you can't just say oh we're going to build this pillar over here and then we're going to transport it we're going to erect it and and put it in place no those pillars are ever moving upward and being shaped and mm. so these four pillars let me let me just say this organizationally you know we have to have a mission right we have to have our beliefs and our doctrines we have to have then our values but um and, and so you know we we have to have then our strategy right how do we accomplish this well each of us as as individual churches that that's going to be different 
you know, we all have one mission, but maybe God has a particular mission for your church or your church body. Maybe there's there's different values that 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 are part of your um, organization. But what we began to think about is that that whole thing of how will we know? How will we know? What are the what are the four common um, pillars that can become common language about? Think about it like this: What are the marks of a disciple? What are the marks of a disciple? What is the fruit? What is the visible outcome? And and if we can start there, then in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to see the, the growth in those pillars. So, so what I'd like to do is I just like to, to say what those four pillars are that we came up with. And, and you know, you can, you can modify this, of course, on your own, but, but I've just found, um, and I'll share this at the end of how I've already begun implementing some of this, but the first mark of a disciple, and therefore the first pillar, is that we are loving God with our whole self. I'll come back and explain that. The first pillar, love God, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength. The great Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with your whole self. So we, we, we expanded it from just loving God, loving others. No, it's loving God with your whole self. Pillar number two, then, is loving others as ourselves, that's the expression, the outflowing of God's love. Pillar three is probably the most in-depth, but we felt that, um, you know, you can measure somebody's love for God. You can measure somebody's love for others. But pillar three is personal transformation. Now, I'll come back, if I may, Brandon, and just yes. explain that a little bit more. And the fourth pillar, then, is influencing the world. So what you see is... A pillar that is that that is, and, and obviously these are all um, interrelated, right? That I can't just set. That's why I said I can't just separate it. I can't just focus on I'm going to love God with my whole self. There's an outflowing of that to loving others as myself. The personal transformation and then that expression, that living outward, influencing my culture and my world. So, does yeah. does that? Does that help so far? Yes, uh, yes. Kind of define what those four are, but let, I'd like to spend just a little bit of time speaking about each of them, if I may. Yeah, please go ahead and unpack them. Okay. So the the loving God with our whole self. I mean, this this again sounds very maybe sounds very common sense, but um, there's a two way diverse and loving um, communication and relationship. Um, when I when I discipled ship when I discipled these men. Um, that I was talking about, you know, they, uh, we immediately want to jump into the spiritual disciplines. And I said, we're not going to start there. I spent three months just talking about our relationship mm. and, and, and what does that relationship look like? Because God's a God of, of relationships. So we, we grow in our knowing God. Um, just yesterday, I was in Galatians four and um, verse nine, just jumped right out of me. Paul says, now then that you know, God, and then he stops and he says, rather that God knows you. And it just captured my heart because I, I, it just, I thought about it today. What I was going to be sharing is it's not just knowing God. We spend so much of our time. Um, oh, I want to study his word. I want to know his attributes. I want to know his character. But do we really abide in the fact that God knows us? Mm. So it's, it's, it's loving God with our whole self. 
And, and one of the elements of that is, is this restoration that happens in knowing God, that, that we receive freedom from lies and misperceptions of God. We, we're, we're delivered. There's a deliverance. There's a spiritual deliverance. There's healing that goes on there. Now, under each pillar, um, you can see in your handout there um, that there's some practices that then go along with this. But I'm not getting into that today. Because the practices, we tend to focus, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We tend to focus more on the practice. I'm going to practice solitude. I'm going to practice prayer. I'm going to read about this. But do we understand the, the pillar, the, 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 the foundation of why we're doing that is to be in relationship with a loving God who wants to be in relationship with us. So that's pillar one. Yeah. Pillar two is loving others as ourselves. And that includes a couple of areas. Um, and, 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 I got to just tell you, there's one in here that John and I wrestled with that I'm so excited about. Um, and I'm excited about it because I've begin, begun implementing it and the response has been pretty cool. Um, but obviously we love other Jesus followers. So loving others involves, first of all, um, like Jesus said, they'll know you are my disciples by the ways that you love one another. All, there are so many passages that say one another, love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, etc. Those are all believer to believer. So that's where obviously we begin with Jesus followers. But the second one then is loving others outside of that community. Mm. And that means loving others that are difficult to love. Yeah. And, um, and if you can't think of somebody, then you're probably the difficult one that somebody's having trouble <laughs> loving. <laughs> but here's the, the third part of that is, see, and this is what I'm excited about because I'm a pastor of missions and outreach at our church. And, um, and, reaching out to others and discipling others often comes at the end of spiritual formation. Okay, now you're ready. No, no, no. One of the ways that we express love for others is making disciples who make disciples. It's mm -hmm. right there in the beginning. It's an expression of God's love as we love others. So that's the, the second pillar. The third pillar I won't, I won't, you guys have the handouts. There'll be other teaching on this, but man, this is where I really give kudos to John. Um, I don't take a lot of credit for this, um, but you know, John talks about that there's certain elements that come in our own um, transformation of heart, head, and um, and will, um, or habits rather, heart, head, and habits, or heart, head, and hands. And um, but this is where the mark of a disciple is this is kind of where the spiritual disciplines really enter in is, you know, I think about um, Paul in Romans when he says the, the informing of the mind, the, the transforming of the heart. So the conforming into the image of Jesus. Hmm. And so um, all three of those are active in spiritual formation. And so there's been a lot of thought put into that. And, and then last of course, is the influence in the world that we don't belong to ourselves god excuse me god has a whole mission for us there is still um there are still so many people who need the love of jesus in this world and and god's calling us to be not only transformed into the image of christ but to be a part of transforming others lives and even transforming our culture, our businesses, our workplaces, our schools, et cetera. So that's, those are the four pillars, loving God with our whole self, loving others as ourself, our personal transformation, and then influencing the world. Yeah, thank you, Paul. I, I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, the, uh, these four have, have absolutely 
transformed me because they've given me handholds on which to to really do discipleship. And, and I think a lot of times we think discipleship is linear, but this idea right. of the pillars is that they all need to be erected at the same time. And one informs another uh, transformation right. doesn't happen without knowing God. Um, and then we go into deeper levels of transformation can't serve until I'm healed a little bit, but then I serve and somebody kind of rubs me the wrong way. Now I need to go back into transformation and, um, need to figure out why God loves them. And I don't, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. um, so it gives, I mean, it's built a beautiful framework for, and things fit into it. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like Jesus planned it that way. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Uh, but one thing, you know, I think both Paul and I and John want to be very clear about is that these these filler, p- pillars aren't um, like a discipleship should or an ought. Um, right. These are things that are meant that, that we're meant to live. I mean, this is a, a free gift that God is inviting us into um, to seek the fullness of, of what he's given us. I mean, it's an, uh, really at the core of it. I think it really gets at the heart of our identity. Right. I mean, as we absolutely. Know, more who God is than we know more who we are um, as a transformed, you know, child of God. As we transform, as we become healed, we shed, you know, the old wineskin that wasn't working and we become more of, of who we are. And as we influence the world, our giftings and our talents and, and the stuff God has, has given us to give away begins to come out and, and be shared with the world. I mean, these are deeply ingrained in the life of Christ. Yes. Uh, the way he, you know, did life. And then he um, lives in us. And those, so, I mean, those pillars are, are another expression of Jesus's character, of Jesus's identity, and then an expression of our character. So, I mean, this whole thing, the foundation, the pillars, all of it comes back to kind of the person um, of Jesus. Um, and that I find is just absolutely incredible. Um, so one kind of thing I want to end with here is if I can just read something from one of our handouts, it's kind of a four pillar creed, um, I guess you can say, and then, and then, uh, uh, we'll kind of end after that, but the, it's kind of the gift of our identity of prayer. And with that first pillar, right. And it says that the creed here is because God is our father and we are adopted, um, as children into his family. Therefore we are created to love God with our whole self. The second pillar it says, because we are made in the image of God, who is love. Therefore, we were designed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. The third pillar, because we are disciples of Jesus, who is the image of God. Therefore, we are meant to be transformed, to be like him in every way. And the fourth pillar, because we are to be the salt and light of the world. Therefore, we are called to have his influence in the world. Yeah. Paul, it's been so good to sit with you today. Is there anything else that you would like to share with those listening as they kind of wrap their heads around these concepts and they continue uh, to pursue Christ in their efforts? Yeah, thanks. I I think there's just one more thing. And that is, um, you know, as with a lot of things, we get excited about this. I hope you do anyways. You know, we hear this in our head and our hearts and it just resonates. And then we always come to the, the place of, well, now what? That's the so what, but now what? And um, I'm just, this, I'm not, I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I just want to maybe share um, just a testimony, if I, if I may, to encourage you. Yeah. Um, I lead a, I lead a, um, a young adult ministry um, called The Well every Monday night, got about 40, um, 50 young adults. And I started, when we were able to regather back in September, um, I started with these four pillars. I started with who are we, why do we exist? Um, but then 
um, talked about discipleship and I went through these. And, um, and so what we've been doing as just a small little lab, if you will, is um, we've been spending the last six weeks just on our identity, our identity in Christ. And, um, and, but one of the things that I did was I took these four pillars and I, and I took some of the practices and I, and I kind of did a, I just created a survey, just a survey. You know, if there were any of these that you say, man, this is me right now, this is where I really need to grow. I need to know um, what would it be. And, and then, so we were able to use these four pillars as kind of um, creating a teaching path and a discipleship path just for our group. Your group may be at a different place. Maybe adults are at a different place, but these these young adults, these 18 to 25 year olds, they're like, man, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's funny too, by the way, because I thought, oh, these are the 18 to 25 year olds. They want to get into the influencing their culture in the world, you know, social justice and all that. Oh, you know what? The overwhelming, overwhelming response was, I want to know God. Mm. I want to know, I want to know who I am. And I want to, I want to, I want to build that relationship. And from that now, um, I, 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 they're already, you know, doing some other things with low, um, loving others and influencing the world. But, but also then, you know, what we just saw was it gave us a benchmark. That's all I'm saying is it kind of gave us a benchmark of where are we going, but where are we? And, and, and just then with prayer and discernment and um, ongoing discussion, where do we go from here? And we're just really resisting trying to program it. Um, because the, the, where we touch on those four pillars is going to depend upon the life of that community and the life of that individual. So we're trying to still hold that loosely, but man, it's like you said, Brandon, it's giving us place. It's giving us handles. It's giving us something to keep holding on to. Uh, I just had this image. It's almost like, you know, four oars in the water, um, on a, you know, skiff they're, they're, they, they, they've all got to be moving, but, you know, sometimes we'll turn this direction or that direction and may, we may go deeper with that or, but they're all in the water at the same time. Yeah. Ooh, that was a good, that was a good one to, <laughs> to end with there. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the Holy spirit in, in, in it. Um, you know, I'm, and that's so good to, to, to share that about the, the young adult group and really what you're kind of building and, and having them pursue. And I mean, just as we end today, I, I want to say that to everybody as we, I mean, um, I remember a sermon from Craig Rochelle or a sermon series. We said dangerous prayers or praying dangerous prayers. And I mean, I encourage you guys to meditate on these four pillars, but I also tell you that as we do, um, it's going to take us into some scary places just as we, you know, for Paul, for you to put out a survey that says, I want to know God more. Um, now the question becomes, how do we get people to know God more? Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it's easier for us to create service opportunities and get people out to, serve at the soup kitchen, but when it really comes down to, oh my goodness, how do I get my people to know God um, and to really be known by God, to be transformed, yeah. um, it's going to take us into some scary places. And so I encourage all of you, like I said, we're all on the journey together. We're trying to figure this out as we go. Um, Paul, thank you again uh, for joining us today. You're a blessing and a treasure, my friend. Um, but for all those well, that are thank listening, you. yeah, yeah. And, um, I thank all of you that have been with us today. I encourage you in your journey, but until next time, love hard, pray without ceasing and never stop expanding his kingdom. We'll see you guys later.